This is the Work Minus Podcast, where we talk about what we need to drop from how we work today and transformative ideas to help you build a better workplace. To hear all of our episodes and read articles about how you can improve your workplace, go to workminus.com. Well, welcome back to Work Minus. Today, our guests, we have two guests on. We have Max Blumberg, and we also have James Holdstock, who are going to be talking to us about HR and people analytics. This episode is called Work Minus Only Trusting People Analytics. Hi, guys. How are you today? Hey, I'm very well, and thanks very much for having us on the show, Neil. Max here. Hi, Neil. James here. I'm good. Thank you. Yeah, well, it's great. This is a very interesting topic we're going to jump into, but I want to start by letting both of you kind of introduce yourselves and tell us a little bit about how you got into this topic. So Max, why don't you start us off? Thanks, Neil. Um, so yeah, I'm Max Bloomberg. Um, I, I'm originally a tech entrepreneur. So I started out um, with a components distribution company, which uh, eventually IPO'd. And uh, that was in South Africa. And then I came to the UK. I did a PhD in psychology. And uh, a, a large corporate, a company called Rentakill, um, who are pretty global, came to me and said, Max, you know, you're a psychologist, you understand statistics, we're having some issues with our sales force, can you help us sort this out? And I never heard of anything like that, but I said, sure, I'm happy just to try and use normal academic methods. I did a project with them, and we made $70 million in the first year from a people analytics project, and that was kind of back in 2011. So... It was pioneering early days, and after that, I was hooked, and I've just carried on doing it. I'm now a professor at uh, Leeds University Business School, um, a research affiliate at um, Goldsmiths University of London, and yeah, really enjoy working in the field. Great. And James, what about you? Hiya. So I'm James. Um, I, um, I'm always interested to hear what kind of route people have taken through to people analytics, um, because there's lots, seems lots of different ones, but a few streams, whether it be kind of psychology or, um, you know, workforce planning or that kind of thing. Um, I myself, um, I, I would say I've risen from the ranks so kind of i didn't go down a, um, a chartered route um or a, you know a statistical route um but i went in at the ground um kind of in recruitment and then in uh, hr administration and working all around um uh you know that the kind of hr arena um before getting into reporting um mainly because I had the kind of a little bit of technical know-how, but then also had the whole landscape of knowledge about the HR um, area. Um, and so I also then worked a little bit in finance um, to do group reporting for the whole company. This was at um, London Transport, um, of which I spent a lot of my time. Um, and um, I, it was a great to get whole overview of the company but i really did miss the kind of the mystery and the investigation that goes along with people analytics um and so i got back into the hr reporting team um, which we then stepped up to a, a people analytics team um, as many people i'm sure are sort of doing and trying to do with their own um, hr reporting teams um and then um, i sort of looked outside for some other people analytics opportunities and have been sort of taking on um, contracts and moving around some companies all right. So, well, this is great. We're talking about an article you guys wrote in HR Zone and looking at the idea of people analytics and why maybe sometimes we take it too far or where to trust it. But I want to start off asking for those in our audience who aren't familiar with the idea of people analytics, what is the common man need to know to kind of get a start with this? Max, why don't you start us off with that? So, Neil, we use data in finance. We're quite used to making predictions. We look at what's happening. 
Um, what are the bank rates doing at the moment? How big is the economy? Uh, and we build models to predict what the outcomes are going to be. And I guess we do that in marketing. They segment markets. You produce a product, uh, and then you try and work out who are the likely buyers, how likely are they to buy it, etc. But we haven't really done that until the last few years with people. So when we look at people to say, how likely is this person going to be a good performer in the job or how long are they likely to stay with us? And we've typically been making those decisions based on gut feel. Um, now, we're not saying that gut feel is a bad thing. I happen to think it's a really good thing. But there's no harm in supplementing your gut feel with some hard data to say, well, you know, what do most people who have that personality, um, what are they like? Are they likely to be high performers in this kind of job, et cetera? So people analytics is really just using data to support decisions you make. Like, should I recruit this person? What training should we give them? How should we do them in succession planning and so on? Yeah. And James, when you tell your friends what you're into or your relatives, how do you explain uh, people analytics to them? Well, I generally try and keep them awake, um, <laughs> but I do love uh, talking about it and get quite passionate about it. Um, I generally explain that it's um, using data and technology um, for the benefit of the employees and the business. Um, that's how. That's the kind of short version, really. Um, I know, and I think I completely agree, obviously, with all the things that um, Max said as well. Um, you know, the people are starting to really drill into customer insight, for instance, being kind of a standard team now. And all they're doing is is trying to predict people's behavior using the data from those people, you know, and our employees are people as well. Um, one thing that I think to add on to that is um, is quite important in terms of the sort of the common person really needing to know about people analytics is um, is that it's in their benefit um, and trying to give them an idea of what we're doing and what comes out of it because I, I firmly believe that a big issue in kind of the success of people analytics is trust um, we want them to know we're not kind of doing weird creepy stuff and that uh, it genuinely is in their interests so that they actually uh, allow us to use their data yeah well let's jump into the article that we're talking about you start off with a really interesting idea that the way we look at employee data and people analytics is actually pretty similar to how we look at livestock and inmate systems and prison systems. So how did all this kind of come together? What's the issue with all this? Well, I guess it started, Neil, when I saw uh, somebody, uh, Tracy Smith, um, wrote from North Carolina, as it happens, wrote in uh, on LinkedIn once saying, you know, what is the point of doing these attrition studies that's predicting whether employees are going to leave um, when you're not going to do anything about it. But the word that she used that really kind of freaked me out, she said, you know, what's the point of analyzing flight risk? Now, I'm a bit naive. And even though I've been in this business for such a long time, I've never heard the term flight risk. And James said to me, Max, it's a really common term. And I thought, wow, but isn't that a word that we use with prisoners, you know, who, who might be escaping and inmates? And um, they said, yeah, but we don't, we don't think of it like that. And I said, but, you know, language is so important for determining how we behave. And if you use a term like flight risk, are we thinking of our employees as inmates? And then I kind of started looking at uh, technology uh, being used for animals. And I thought, wow, you know, they're, they're starting to track productivity of animals and productivity of human beings in people analytics. And the algorithms and the techniques that they use 
are really similar. Uh, and that's when I came to the conclusion that, you know, unless we are prepared to put human beings on the same, you know, treat them the same as animals, and I'm very pro-animals, by the way, um, or think of our employees as being inmates, um, it just felt like we're doing something wrong if that is our attitude. So there's nothing wrong with people analytics, but I think there's something wrong if we see our employees like animals or inmates. So in a way, do you feel like it's a, a dehumanizing thing to apply these analytics in this way? Do you feel that way, James? Yeah, I mean, I think um, one of the, one of the the reasons I was quite um, excited that um, Max um, kind of got into this conversation and then called me to talk about it was that um, I don't like taking things for granted, and um, and so um, I like challenging them. You know, playing devil's advocate, and um, and so the the question is, you know, is it dehumanizing, and is there a problem with that? Um, you know, and so I think we, we were able to, between us, um, debate quite a few of these things and then go away, do some more research. Um, I think my, my personal view, um, which, which probably comes out through the article is, um, that it is a problem, um, and that we need to be looking with, um, with people analytics to be quite, um, rigorous and kind of adhere to a, a bit of an ethical code. You know, the the reason I called James, because James says, you know, I call him to, to discuss it. What, one of the key reasons for me calling James, other than he's an exceptionally bright uh, people analytics professional, um, is that he's also kind of quite close to being a millennial, which is the, the opposite of me. You know, I'm kind of, I'm a baby boomer of most. Um, and I wanted to see what James's attitude was. And what drives that is that I was at a conference once and a guy from Jawbone was on the stage, and he said they were giving employees these watches and measuring how many hours they slept. And I said, what has that got to do with an employer? And he said, well, you know, if you're, if you're an airline, you want to know that your pilots are getting enough sleep. I said, yeah, okay, but most of the people in the audience are not pilots. Surely they're going to want to have some private life that the company doesn't own their whole existence. And we did it. We did a quick hands up in the audience. How many people are happy to have all their data measured? And I was kind of shocked when most of the audience said they were absolutely cool with having their company measure everything about them. And they were all millennials. Um, and I don't know, you know, is it, he said, well, Max, don't feel bad. My grandfather would have felt the same as you. Which is a really rough thing to say. But anyway, um, and that's kind of also sparked me. So I wanted to find out from James, were, was this conference audience representative, do young people really not care about their data just being used and being dehumanized to use your term, Neil? That, that really kind of got me going. Yeah. And James, do you feel like it's more of people are okay with it? They feel like there's going to be some benefit to it? Or do we just you know kind of assume that they're going to have it anyway? So why fight it? Yeah, it's hard to say, really, because um, I guess, of course, um, the ideal scenario is to kind of take a couple of groups and um, and give them different scenarios and then see what the outcomes are um, and kind of compare them against each other. Um, but I guess we don't necessarily have that opportunity, so it's hard to say, um, even if you can see that the, the, the result of talking to people and using their data is actually a positive one, it's hard to say kind of... Um, where it's come from or why the difference um, potentially in uh, in different groups of people. Yeah. So when we're talking about this, it all comes down to productivity. How can we make employees more efficient, more productive in these things? Why do you guys feel that this 
just focusing on people analytics is not necessarily the right path without conjunction with lots of other things added to it. I kind of think that people analytics is political, whether you like it or not. Um, the idea of, we, you know, we live in a capitalist, we, you know, on this side of the world, and um, we live in a capitalist society and a capitalist economy. And so a lot of it is about making the shareholders wealthier. Now, I've got nothing against that whatsoever. But I don't like one group getting rich at the expense of another. So I kind of feel that shareholders and employees should get rich together. But that's not what I'm seeing happening. I'm seeing these systems go in to squeeze the last you know, pound of flesh, um, as Shakespeare said, out of employees um, without them getting much more reward for that extra pound of flesh. Whereas the investors get all the benefit, the additional profit from all of the productivity. Um, and that's where I think people analytics needs to be very careful um, in its political stance and its objectives that it consciously, as James likes to say, um, you know, that it consciously looks at employee benefits as well as investor benefits. Yeah. To think about the idea of being able to everyone to benefit from the idea of people analytics, what's the next step in that, James? How do employees benefit from these numbers and this data just as much as investors and, and the top management? Um, uh, that's quite a big question. Um, I think I'd, I'd give the um, the classic um, people analytics answer of uh, it depends on the uh, on the scenario really. Um, I, I do certainly have a belief, and this is where I guess I stray from my kind of um, uh, belief that I should only make statements that are backed up by reams of data and fact. Um, I genuinely have a belief that that, that both of those parties. Is canon that um, employees and and um, uh, shareholders or, or business owners can both win. Um, maybe it's naive, I don't know, but it's my kind of I feel it um, that you know if the employees are um, happier, more content, feel safer, you know they can be more creative, innovative, and will will work harder and be more um, you know uh, valuable. Um, which means that everyone in theory should win. As long as the business owners are kind of, I guess, working with the employees, because there could be a scenario where the business owners create this wonderful environment, the employees work really hard, but the business owners don't share that benefit with the employees. Um, so I guess if I wanted to put a word on that, I'd have to call it that there should be more transparency, which a lot of people don't like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what does that mean? We're talking to somebody who's a department head or a large team leader and they're new on the job or they just start using some people analytics software and they get this big report and it has all sorts of data about everyone. How do they use that data in an ethical way that treats people as humans and also increases productivity? You know, from my side, I think it's about gaining more employee trust by involving them and engaging them in your projects, you know, to say, folks, this is what we want to do. We want to improve your productivity uh, for the betterment of society. So there's a CSR uh, agenda. We want to improve it for the investors so that they get a good dividend, that the share price rises. But we also want to improve it for you by handing back reward. And it doesn't have to be money all the time. It can be flexible working, working in a nice place, working under good conditions, um, having opportunities for you to have some free days like Google do where you offer employees the opportunity to do innovative work. Um, you know, it's rewarding the employees proportionally to what 
the investors are being done. So the advice I would give to department heads is don't rely on people analytics to tell you how to behave towards your employees. Um, develop a relationship with your employees um, and let that be the thing that improves the productivity and stops them from leaving the company. Um, James, James has got quite a good story about you know this idea of tracking employees actually makes them want to leave the company when you start doing attrition analytics. James, I think you have something like that. Yeah, um, it's sort of a text that we came up with um, together, I guess, that is in the article, um, which is about, um, it's all about trust, really. And if you are, um, you know, tracking these people, um, then, but you're not being transparent with them and you're not being open with them, then how are they going to feel about that? And as, as soon as someone doesn't feel as though they can trust you, you know, I would say probably they're going to close up. Um, and maybe even start looking for other opportunities where they might feel safer, you know, and, and more trusted. Um, so, yeah, it, it could well lead to people actually leaving, ironically, from just tracking the information. Hmm. Yeah. So should you make these reports open where everyone can see them? Should you make sure to tell employees that this is being tracked? This is what we are tracking. If you want to see your scores, you can fill out this form. Like, what's the best practice there? You know, the best example I can think of to, to answer that question about transparency with everything. And um, there's a guy uh, at, at Rendekill called Elaine Delitz de Jura, um, who's one of the finest uh, managers I know. He happens to be the MD for, for Europe. But Elaine, instead of relying on technology to find out what's going on in his uh, teams, he has each of the country heads um, give him a rag indicator for all of their key employees, you know, so red, amber, green, as to whether that employee is going to leave. Um, and if an employee leaves and the country manager didn't know about it, that country manager has to answer why they didn't know. So what Elaine is doing is saying, let's rather replace technology with relationships. So I'm not saying get rid of technology, but I'm saying why don't we invest more in nice managers, managers that are able to have great relationships rather than having technology do the dirty work and do it very badly for us. And there's a lot of evidence of this going on. We see a lot of companies now um, are trying to get rid of levels of managers using automation uh, and to try and replace these managers with soulless, emotion-free machines. And I don't think that that's going to be great for the employees um, in terms of they're not going to want to work hard. They're obviously going to want to leave an environment like that. So... I think department heads, to answer the question, um, need to be investing more in relationships with employees um, supplemented by technology. But the manager is still making the decision, not the technology. Yeah. And, and what about you, James? Do you feel like if a manager is going to use technology, should all of that data be open so that everyone has access to it? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's um, a tricky question. I don't necessarily think that sort of all data should be open. Um, I think there should be transparency about what data is being looked at and what's available and then also why it's being looked at um, because, you know, explaining to people why you're doing something can often help and dispel kind of fear, especially if they, they have no idea why you're using it in the first place. Um, I would move rather than looking at... Um, uh, the actual kind of the the possibility of likelihood that someone will leave, um, even if that's quite well informed by talking to them. I think one needs to move 
sort of further back in the process to actually use the information that that physically does exist about their past and about the movements they've had kind of maybe within the organization um, or in their work history and then that is the information that is available to the line manager anyway um, and the line manager can really use this in conversation with the employees to help them and to help develop them and help find out what they want to do because if they want to leave in a couple of years then if you help them leave in a couple of years then they're probably going to be a lot more productive during that two years but they would have left anyway you, you also had the idea james of cascaded goals so I, I didn't really answer your question very well on transparency neil but um you know if the goals of an of a organization are cascaded down so you have the company objective and it's cascaded to everybody in the team and um, that everybody can see everybody else's KPIs and who's reaching them or not. I think that kind of transparency is absolutely essential. Sure, low performers are not going to feel good. Um, but on the other hand, it will motivate people far more. I, I know a company that had a really simple system um, is that in the contacts list, uh, you had your name and your extension number, et cetera, and you also had your KPIs and how they're linked to your manager and to the people below you. Um, and you could see how well you were doing on them. And that works fantastically. You know, I can't say who the company is, uh, but they're a really, they're a Fortune 500 and it works really well. Hmm. Interesting. Well, let's close out with this question. We say, okay, maybe we don't want to push too hard and lean too hard into the technology side of people analytics, but what's a good question or a, a good insight or a good data point that technology has taught us that we can then take back into those very human relationships things line managers and department heads can ask their employees, what are some of those questions that we can learn from technology to ask in the person-to-person -person relationship? Well, from my side, I think one of the key questions um, that I think technology has highlighted but is not used very much in the relationship is for managers to understand what is the unique value that each member of the team can bring. And I don't know whether many managers know that. Um, you can use analytics to find that out, but it would be much simpler for a manager to sit down. In fact, I've recommended, um, you know, even to companies like Facebook, that at recruitment time, one of the questions you ask employees is what value do you intend to add to this organization? Um, and to measure employees against that if the manager, you know, agrees with it. So, yeah, I think that's one area is just it makes employees feel valuable when a manager says, what is the value you're going to bring in and, and helps to nurture that employee once they know what the chosen value of that employee is. Yeah. And what about you, James? What's a thing you've learned from technology we should apply to our relationships? I think um, something that we can take, which um, I, I, I'll say it because I don't think it's necessarily kind of in common usage. Um, and it, it links to one of the things that Max has said already is uh, most of us have kind of performance reviews and uh, we often capture information. And nowadays there's so much of that information that objectives and performance against objectives is actually captured in technology, you know, in some kind of system. Um, but going back to what Max said about um, people 
knowing um, what the objectives of the organization are and how their objectives are actually fitting into those objectives, I think is incredibly powerful because you've got a way of um, employees straight away feeling very valued for the work that they do, um, understanding how the work that they do contributes so that actually they'll probably end up being innovative and coming up with potentially a better way of doing the thing that they do. Um, and, um, and it also means that they recognize, you know, their own, their own value. And so when performance objectives are being set, they can actually be coming up with them rather than them necessarily always being fed down from above. Um, so I think that's possibly a, a, a large data set that using a bit more kind of uh, slick technology is, is quite un underused at the moment. Wow. Well, guys, it's been a really interesting topic. I've loved learning about this idea. We'll put a link to the article in the show notes so people can see that. Uh, how else should people uh, connect with you, stay in touch with what you're doing? They can find me on LinkedIn quite easily. I'm Max Blumberg, uh, B-L-U-M-B-E-R-G. I'm delighted if anybody wants to you know, have a chat, get in touch, ask, get some advice about career or people analytics, etc. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Me too. Um, LinkedIn's probably the best way of reaching me. Um, I don't think there are many James Holdstocks generally, um, let alone on LinkedIn, um, but I'll be the people analytics one. Um, and I, I love growing my network and, uh, and talking to people. Well, thanks a lot, guys. It's been a great topic and we appreciate you coming on the show. A great pleasure. Thanks very much indeed, Neil. Thanks very much, Neil. This has been the Work Minus Podcast. If you like what we're doing, go to workminus.com where you can see the show notes and a full transcript for every episode. You can also sign up for our newsletter where you'll get the latest progressive ideas about how you can build a better workplace. 